Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. If you've never heard that song, then you've been missing out. It is one of the all-time great earworms. Anyways, that was Istanbul, not Constantinople. This is the Why Is That Podcast. This week, we are discussing why Istanbul is called Istanbul and not Constantinople. Because I am just the type of person to take a great satirical song far too seriously. The song, of course, was written to mark the 500th anniversary of the fall of Constantinople, and by extension, the fall of the Byzantine Empire. So finally, 65 years after it was debuted by the Four Lads, and 27 years after it was reimagined by They Might Be Giants, we are finally going to get an answer to the seminal question. Why is Istanbul not Constantinople? So first, a short answer. On October 29, 1923, the Republic of Turkey was officially recognized as the successor state of the Ottoman Empire, and that day marks the Independence Day of for Turkey. In July 1928, His Excellency Mustafa Kemal Ataturk founded a language commission to modernize the Turkish alphabet. One of the main outcomes of that commission chose to switch from the Arabic alphabet to the Latin one. This was done for two reasons. The first to modernize the Turkish language, and the second was to reflect the actual sounds of spoken Turkish in the written form. After the alphabet change, the Turkish Ministry of the Interior opened a special commission for name change. The purpose of the name change commission was to update city, street, and province names within the Republic of Turkey to reflect what they were actually called by the, in the Turkish language and by the Turkish people. Throughout the Republic of Turkey were the old Ottoman and Byzantine names, and with their independence, the Turkish government wanted the signs and official names to reflect their modern Turkish names. The biggest change was that Turkey began to officially refer to Constantinople as Istanbul. With work completed within the Republic, the government then requested that the international community accept their name changes and only use the Turkish version of the names. Within a couple of years, the government of Turkey began refusing to deliver packages that were addressed to Constantinople. With these changes complete, the name Istanbul became the standard, and all other names were rendered obsolete. So that gives you the quick hit, but of course there's more to the story. Like, why Istanbul of all names? So now I'm going to give you the medium-length version, as the long version would take hours. The best place to start is, of course, the beginning. In the ancient world, the Greeks were joined by a common language and heritage, but politically speaking, they were separated into many different independent units called city-states, also known in the Greek language as the polis. And actually, polis is where we get our word politics, polis being the Greek word for city, and politics meaning literally affairs of the city. Just a fun side note. Anyways, the Greek polis Megara decided it was time to expand, and in circa 657 BCE, the city founded a small settlement in modern-day Turkey. They called the new settlement Byzantium. The origin of the name Byzantium is not strictly known, but it is generally thought that it was named after King Byzas, who ruled Megara and reportedly founded the community. The city of Byzantium grew in size and importance over the next few centuries. This was partially due to its location, as it sat as the only entrance to the Black Sea, and its location on the Strait of Marmara meant that navigation between Europe and Asia required a stop in Byzantium. This allowed the city to grow prosperous as an essential piece of international trade. The area around the city was also very fertile and allowed citizens to grow an excess of grain, which soon became their staple trade crop to other Greek city-states. 
However, the unfortunate piece of prosperity is that large powers began setting their sights on Byzantium as a city ripe for conquest. First, the Achaemenid Persians under Darius I conquered the city. The Persians, though, only wanted to share in the prosperity and chose to leave the foundations largely intact and did not disrupt the Greek heritage of the city. The location and Greek roots then made Byzantium an important city during the struggle between the Greeks and Persians during the Greco-Persian Wars of the early 5th century BCE. I'll probably end up discussing the Greco-Persian War, specifically the Battle of Marathon and the 300 Spartans at some point in the future, but for the story of Byzantium, the only thing to know is that by the end of the struggle, Byzantium was freed from Persian control, but then brought under Spartan hegemony. Over the next hundred or so years, Byzantium shifted from Spartan control to Athenian control and back multiple times until the end of the Peloponnesian War, where the city developed more or less a degree of autonomy. The next big shift happened as Philip II of Macedon began conquering Greece before his son, Alexander the Great, conquered the East and in the process annexed Byzantium into his empire. Alexander the Great's conquest crushed the Persian Empire and ushered in a new era of Hellenization that stretched from Greece all the way to modern-day India. Helen was the progenitor of the Greeks. In that, he was the first Greek, and all subsequent Greeks are said to have descended from Helen. Not to be confused with Helen of Troy, this Helen was a guy. So anytime you hear Hellenic, Hellenistic, or the Hellenes, they are in some way referring to the Greeks. Hellenic culture would be the dominant culture of Byzantium, even after the Romans turned the city into Constantinople. Hellenic culture and the Greek language would remain dominant in the region until it was eventually conquered by the Ottoman Empire in 1453 CE. The persistence of the Hellenic culture, even after the Romans took over, is one of the origins of the rivalry between the Greek East and the Latin West. After the death of Alexander the Great, his successors, the Diadochi, took over the governance of his conquered areas. The men who rose in his place were not as capable as the man they replaced, and soon the massive empire that Alexander had built was usurped from its role as superpower of the ancient world. Byzantium became more or less independent and grew into a small power on the Bosphorus Strait. To the east of Byzantium, the Parthian Empire rose to prominence as the new Persian Empire, and to the west of Byzantium, the Roman Republic became the preeminent power. Rome was an irresistible military power. Everyone who came in contact had the choice of surrendering peacefully and becoming an ally, or being utterly destroyed and then being forced to become a client. Much of Greece decided to resist, and for that they were slaughtered before the survivors became clients. Byzantium learned from their fellow Greeks' failures and chose the ally route. Byzantium was able to grow more prosperous. It became an important port for Roman armies on their way to Asia. The fishing and agriculture continued to thrive in the area, and it retained its role as an important city for merchants and trading. Byzantium's growth continued until the infamous Year of the Five Emperors. The Year of the Five Emperors occurred in 193 CE and is so-called as five different men would rule Rome as emperor in that single calendar year. The year of unrest and civil war started when Emperor Commodus, son of Marcus Aurelius, was murdered at the end of 192. It would eventually see the ascension of Septimius Severus and the rise of the Severan dynasty, but unfortunately for Byzantium, the city supported Severus's rival for the throne, Pisenius Niger. Pisenius Niger was the governor of Syria prior to being hailed emperor by his soldiers, and as governor, he was the leader of three legions, which means he had a pretty sizable army. Niger's base of support was the closest to Byzantium of all the major players for power at the time, 
and as such they decided to pledge their support. Severus, however, was the closest to Rome, and after compromising with the other prominent governor in Britain, Severus quickly consolidated the west power base and easily outnumbered Niger. Severus then marched east and in the process besieged or defeated Niger's allies on the way. One of the besieged cities was Byzantium. After taking Byzantium, Severus gave the order to sack it and basically destroyed the city. In a way, the sacking actually became a little bit of a blessing in disguise because Severus's son, the future emperor Caracalla, appealed to his father to rebuild the city due to its important location. Severus started to rebuild, but did so in the Roman style. Romans are not always lauded for their philosophies or culture, but they did do three things better than almost everyone. The first was, of course, war. The second was that they were expert builders, and the third was that they had some of the best organizational skills ever. Rebuilding the city allowed Severus to recreate the city in a logical way. This included using the Roman road grid system and building with an idea about how large the city could one day grow. The rebuild of the city allowed Byzantium to be repopulated, and the next 140 years saw a stable growth for the city. It was actually the Roman Empire that had a bigger shift uh, in that time period than Byzantium. The 200 CE saw the Roman Empire in crisis. The conflict is generally called the crisis of the third century, and while we are not going to get into the details in today's episode, it is absolutely fascinating. This crisis was eventually put to bed by the Emperor Diocletian. He stabilized the empire and then split it into two administrative bodies to make it manageable to rule again. He split the empire by geographic lines and created the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire. Byzantium fell into the east and the city of Rome fell into the west. Diocletian chose to abdicate the throne in an attempt to teach his countrymen how to say goodbye and set a legacy for peaceful transition of power in the new governmental system he had created. Unfortunately, the Romans did not learn their lesson, and before Diocletian had died, the Roman Empire was again embroiled in a civil war. The winner of the civil war would reunite the empire under his banner. The new emperor of the united Roman Empire was Constantine. After defeating all of his rivals and assuming sole control over the Roman Empire, Constantine assessed his empire as a whole. Constantine spent an entire decade after coming to power attempting to modernize the city of Rome and passed several reforms to further modernize the empire as a whole. Slowly, the realization that Rome was no longer the center of the empire dawned on him. Rome had decayed over the past century's political unrest, and its location did not allow for the kind of ease of movement that the empire needed from its emperor. After assessing his options, he chose to discard the founding city as his capital and went searching for a new city to build in his image. Eventually, Constantine's search for a new capital city led him to the conclusion that the capital should be moved to the eastern half of the empire. The obvious choice for a capital was Nicomedia, but the city was not given a real consideration because it had been Diocletian's capital and Constantine did not want to be a copycat. Constantine next considered the ancient site of the city of Troy, which actually would have been a kind of fitting as the Romans traced their lineage back to Troy, but Constantine soon dismissed that idea. He found exactly what he wanted in Byzantium. As already discussed, the city's location on the European side of the Bosphorus Strait made it the perfect location to control the traffic to and from the Black Sea. Its location on the Golden Horn gave it a natural harbor and therefore an easily defended position. The fact that the city had been rebuilt to the Roman standard only 130 to 140 years beforehand also helped provide a solid base to build upon. Constantine brought in artisans and resources from across the empire to build the city into something worthy of being called the capital of the most powerful empire in existence. He installed statues of Alexander, Julius, and Augustus Caesar, Diocletian, and of course of Constantine himself. 
He rebuilt the walls, added more cisterns, and built the Ahia Irene. The Ahia Irene was the first Christian church built in Byzantium, and while the original was burned down in a riot, the later emperor Justinian rebuilt it, and then Constantine V renovated it. It actually still stands in Istanbul today, and was one of the few churches that were not converted into mosques after Constantinople fell to the Ottoman Empire. The building projects and renovations turned Byzantium into a whole new city, and in some respects it became the most powerful and important city in the world. In 330 CE, Constantine decided it was time to rechristen the city and formally make it the new capital of the Roman Empire. Constantine renamed the city of Byzantium New Rome. The name New Rome only stuck around for about seven years. After Constantine died in 337 CE, the city would be officially renamed again as Constantinople in his honor. Translated, Constantinople would approximately be the city of Constantine. In many ways, this is the second origin of the rivalry between the eastern and western parts of the Roman Empire. Those who lived in the west did not appreciate the thought of the eastern half of the empire becoming more important. The rivalry would become even more acute after the eventual fall of Rome and the Western Empire. The Frankish kings and the Holy Roman Empire wanted to control the legacy of Rome instead of allowing the still-standing Eastern Roman Empire to hold that legacy. After the eventual fall of the Eastern Roman Empire, a historian by the name of Hieronymus Wolf began cataloging ancient sources, and he chose to split ancient Greek sources between before the rise of the Eastern Roman Empire and after. His important publication was a collection of sources from the Roman period of Byzantium and Constantinople under the name Corpus Historiae Byzantinae, published in 1557. This is the first known use of the word Byzantine to refer to the Eastern Roman Empire. From this publication grew the practice of referring to the Eastern Roman Empire as the Byzantine Empire, named after the city of Byzantium. This is despite the fact that the people who lived during the time of the Byzantine Empire only would have referred to themselves as part of the Roman Empire. So rewinding back to 337 CE, New Rome became Constantinople, and from here we finally have reached the name of the city that is referred to in our song. Constantinople remained in use in the city proper throughout the Western world until 1928. However, the name Istanbul has its origin shortly after the name Constantinople became official. The primary language of the Roman Empire was Latin, but most high-ranking administrative officials also spoke Greek. The city of Constantinople, however, had Greek origins, and the primary language of the people was Greek. Eventually, Greek would even supplant Latin as the administrative language of the Eastern Roman Empire. Where I come from, Minnesota, we often refer to Minneapolis and St. Paul as the Twin Cities, or if someone asks you, you know, where you're headed, we will say, to the cities. If you Google the phrase, the city, you would see a Wikipedia article which details the many things that saying the city might be in reference to. The city is a term for the city of London, the borough of Manhattan, New York City, San Francisco, and Oklahoma City. In that way, it is pretty common to refer to the largest city in your area as the city. This was the same thing in the ancient world, except for obviously not in English. After it became Constantinople, the city grew to be the largest and most important in the area, and the Greeks from all around the area, including inside the city, referred to it simply as the city, or would say, to the city. The way that you would say this in Greek would be Ishtambolon. Say it a little faster, Ishtambolon. Colloquially, Ishtambolon became an alternate way of referring to Constantinople, and naturally over time was shortened to Ishtambol. 
On May 29, 1453, Sultan Mehmed II, ruler of the Ottoman Empire, conquered the city of Constantinople and moved the capital of the Ottoman Empire into the former Roman capital. The official name within the empire for the city of Constantinople then became Constantinai, though in the West they still often referred to it just as Constantinople because Constantinai was really just the Arabic version of Constantinople. However, the people that lived in the capital continued referring to Constantinople as Istanbul. The Ottoman Empire was pretty relaxed with the name of the capital city. Throughout the Arabic world, it was pretty common to call the city Constantinople, and throughout the world that used the Latin alphabet, it was pretty uniformly called Constantinople. However, in the city and in the areas that is now Turkey, Istanbul gained popularity. Throughout the reign of the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish language took over the formerly Greek city of Constantinople. I do not have any specific sources that support this, but I have read on a few message boards that one of the reasons Istanbul gained popularity for the people within the city is that Constantinople and Constantinople is somewhat difficult to say in the Turkish language. If I have any listeners who are native Turkish speakers, I would love for some clarification on that point. I just wanted to make you aware of what I have found. Fast forward into the early 20th century, the Ottoman Empire allied with Germany, Austria-Hungary, and Bulgaria, and when World War I broke out, they formed together into the Central Powers. The Allied Powers would of course prevail in the war, and would later occupy the lands of the Ottoman Empire. Turkish nationalism led a campaign against the occupying Allied Powers in the Turkish War of Independence, which eventually led to the establishment of the Republic of Turkey and the abolition of the Ottoman Empire. The Republic of Turkey moved their capital to Ankara, but to this day, Istanbul remains the most populated city. After the War of Independence, Turkey changed from the Arabic alphabet to the Latin alphabet and started a movement known as Turkization, where they attempted to transition their country to a strictly Turkish identity. In this process, they changed or updated names of places. One of the places to receive an update was the city of Constantinople. Long referred to as Istanbul by the people of Turkey, the government decided to make it official. In 1928, the government of the Republic of Turkey officially changed the name of the city to Istanbul. The government then announced that henceforth Istanbul would be the only name of the city. A little over 20 years later, Jimmy Kennedy and Nat Simon decided it would be fun to write a novelty song to mark the 500th anniversary of the fall of Constantinople. The four lads recorded the song, and it would eventually become a certified gold record after it was released in 1953. The song, of course, was Istanbul, not Constantinople. They Might Be Giants then recorded and released a new version of the song in 1990, and it became popular again. And that, my friends, is the story behind why Istanbul is not Constantinople. So the next time you hear the song, you can press pause and show all your friends how smart you are by reciting this episode from start to finish. For more information about the Eastern Roman Empire, I would highly suggest the History of Byzantium podcast by Robin Pearson. For more information about the Ottoman Empire, I would highly suggest the History of the Ottoman Empire by Lynn Perkins. I'm a huge fan of both of these podcasts, and if you want to hear the long version of today's story, then these two podcasts are the places to do it. This week, I also am indebted to the Ancient History Encyclopedia, which is located at www.ancient.edu. A specific shout out to Donald Wason, who wrote the articles about Byzantium, Constantinople, and Constantine. Uh, just a little bit about Wason. He taught history at Lincoln College and has created some very excellent articles on that ancient history encyclopedia website. 
Okay, that does it for today's episode of the Why Is That podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning about why Istanbul is not Constantinople. I'll be back in two weeks with an episode about why we say, I don't give a damn. You will not want to miss that episode, so be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app or clicking that button on YouTube. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play, and many others. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to comment on the episode. Send me an email at whyisthatpod at gmail.com. Tweet me at whyisthatpod or join the Facebook group and make a post. Thank you all for listening and have a great couple weeks. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Why Is That? I'm your host, Travis, and we are signing off. Cheers.